Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Stuff We Love Podcast. On this episode, we will be talking all things Halloween. As always, we'll conclude with our famous Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Neil. And I'm Scott. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love Podcast. First off, we'd like to make an announcement that the Stuff We Love Podcast is available on Spotify. If you listen to your podcasts on Spotify, please follow us on there and subscribe. Of course, you can find us on any one of the podcast platforms that are available to listeners. But we recently went on Spotify as of maybe uh, yesterday or so. So check us out on there and we thank you for listening. Uh, We thought that on this episode, we would talk about a bunch of things related to Halloween. Since when we're recording this, it's just a few days away. Uh, I prepared a bunch of random questions related to horror movies, music, books, and more. But we're going to begin by talking a bit about our recent visit to Orlando for Halloween events at the various theme parks. Uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you by asking you this question. Uh, We began our trip on Friday night at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. It's become a tradition that that's the first major event of our annual Halloween trip. This year, what were some highlights of the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party for you? As any listener would know, the last couple of years, that's how we have started our trip every time. And I think it's just a great feeling walking into the Magic Kingdom. You you have all the decorations set out for Halloween. It's the colors, the oranges and the blacks and things like that. And it's just, it's really a nice look when you get there. And I, I also like that it's a separate event. The rides are still open. The character meet and greets are open. And the kids are in the costumes. You can see, you know, they don't allow kids to be in costume most of the time, but um, they're all in costume and you know having a great time for Halloween. It's just a great atmosphere that I like to be there. Food-wise, any highlights for you stick out from the party this year? There was a, a few things that I did enjoy. I mean, we had the pumpkin ice cream uh, mm-hmm. that was very good. Uh, I forgot where we got that exactly. I think it was in Tomorrowland. It was in Tomorrowland, and, yes. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that, that was the highlight for me uh of course casey's corner uh it, also a tradition to get the hot dogs there but uh for, the highlight for me was the pumpkin ice cream uh i i'll call it a sunday i'm not sure that's really what it was but it, it, it was, was very good it was definitely a halloween themed sunday because there was the pumpkin soft serve ice cream and they had candy corn and caramel on there that's right they, they had the candy corn i forgot all about that part so that the ice cream really that was great unique. it was it really was it was very good that was my highlight uh, Neil, how about you? Talk about some Mickey's Not-So-Scary highlights for you this year. Yeah, so it's always great going there. It, you know, I, I personally always love Halloween, and uh, I, I love the theming. And uh, any event that's a ticketed event, I always enjoy because they're gen- generally you could get onto rides without the same type of weight. So that's always something that I uh, enjoy. But the theming especially, the music they play – um, uh, it just makes it a unique experience versus just uh, a ticketed event purely so you could go on rides and have a certain capacity at the park so you can enjoy it in a different way. But there's something with the Halloween element there. Even riding the uh, the Haunted Mansion, obviously, on Halloween for a Halloween event, uh, it, it makes the entire ride a different experience, even though it's the, the same uh, attraction. Um, there's just a different atmosphere around it. Uh, that, that I enjoy. And, and, and it's fun having all the different snacks, seeing other guests trying different snacks and seeing if you kind of want what they're having. And um, so this year, uh, I think it, I was able to appreciate different elements versus previous times where I really was focused on, oh, let me get on as many rides as I can. Uh, and here, really sort of embrace the, uh, 
the Halloween spirit of it all and sort of uh, uh, enjoyed that. And Joe, even when we went up Splash Mountain and uh, yeah. uh, at night, that was great to get the, uh, even like when we went on the wrong lines, get the trick-or-treating, which we never did before when we did it by accident. We're like, oh, <laughs> not a bad idea to just get some free uh, candy. I do like the fact that you get in a few hours early to use fast passes on a Mickey's not so scary night. So you can get those also, and then you can stay in the park for the actual party. They don't make you leave the park uh, and come back in or anything like that. So I think I like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I would encourage all of our listeners to look into if they go to this event are the photo pass opportunities available to you. One of the, my favorite things we did that night was actually as we were leaving the party, there was a photo pass photographer set up in front of the magic kingdom near the train station and we posed for a couple of photos, and what they did was inserted the Headless Horseman into the photos. So definitely take advantage of those photo pass opportunities because you never know what type of Disney magic will arrive when you actually get your photos. But it's a great event. I look forward to it every year. We all have a great time. And then uh, that sets the tone for the whole weekend, which leads into Saturday night when we did our annual trip to Universal Studios Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights. This is Halloween Horror Nights number 29, the 29th year that this has been going on. I, I'm, I'm going to begin by asking Neil, uh, what was your favorite house this year at Halloween Horror Nights? For me, I I would say it's a real, it's so close. It's it's almost like a tie in a way, but I love the classic monsters house. I love the classic monsters that Universal has as part of their, you know, uh, intellectual property. I, you know, I, I love those stories. I've always loved them since I was a kid. And I thought they did such a great job modernizing it and bringing it to a, a, a house uh, for Halloween, they did. It just was. It had the scares. It you know. It had the nostalgia to it. It was great. And I also loved that waiting for that house. The exterior to that house was so cool. Wait, the wait itself, I consider to be part of the attraction. It got you pumped. It got you excited. And it was so well done. Tied with that would be the original house uh, graveyard games, um, which was such an original uh, story that had that. Just kind of had that modern horror story, all the elements uh, to it, like a horror, a modern day horror movie, and it just so uh, well executed, and just it had the scares. It just had a great feel to it, um, and I think that was definitely one of the ones that wasn't on my radar screen going into it at all, and then became tied for my favorite one. And I also I'm a fan of the Rob Zombie movies, and I like Rob Zombie a lot, and I I enjoyed the House of a Thousand Corpses after that as uh you know rounding out my top three good choices uh joe how about you i have to agree with uh everything neil just said the the best house in my opinion was the graveyard games house it's an mm-hmm. original house which i actually liked this year because it wasn't based on a movie or something and when you walked up to the house they had the, the best outside theme in my opinion mm-hmm. uh they had you know basically they led you into the house to see where you're going into this graveyard and then just the attention to detail they did and everything they did with the house, I, I, I thought that was by far my favorite house. And then I agree, like, if that's number one, then 1A is the Universal Monsters house. When you walk into that house, it was great because they gave each Universal monster a little scene. It wasn't just a single Dracula or Frankenstein house. It was the whole Universal Monsters pantheon. It was awesome. Um, so there was something for everybody in there. I just thought it was also just amazing. You and I both also really loved the uh, Phantom scene in that. The Phantom, in my opinion, was the best part of that. Yeah, I feel like. yeah. love that. Yeah, that yeah, and part. something that was very cool about that, uh, the, we went into that house twice, and the first time we went through, you know, we're taking it all in, and then Joe and I were talking afterwards, and Joe mentioned the chandelier in the Phantom scene. I said, "Wait a second, what are you talking about? What chandelier?" 
And then when we yep. went back the second time, I saw the chandelier. It just goes to show that there is so much detail in those houses that it's really something you have to experience if you can more than once because you pick up on stuff that you missed the first time through. Uh, that happened to me on the Ghostbusters house as well. I know the second time we went through that house, I noticed stuff that I didn't see on the first go round. Yeah. So there's definitely a repeat visitation factor on the houses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just shows you how different and how how great these houses are themed that you can walk through the Universal Monsters house not notice there's a huge chandelier that's the size of a car that right. has fallen basically into a room where because you're looking at other things. It's just yeah. it just shows how great these are. And, and, and it shows you what makes something like Halloween Horror Nights so spectacular, that the level of detail and attention to detail where you go through the same thing and have a totally different experience and don't feel like you're going through something you just went through. Um, uh, it, it, it speaks to the, the, the workers that really create it. And it's just like, just like going through a theme park. You educate yourself a little bit about even like the designs. You walk around the Magic Kingdom. We're just talking about it makes it not so scary. If you pay attention to the fact that you know, they're supposed to represent different errors in American history. If you pay attention to the light bulbs, they use the different lights to reflect the error that it's supposed to be representing. All those little details can make the experience something different than just saying, okay, what's the ride? What's the wait time? Uh, and it, it, it makes the, when you look for different things, it makes the experience always sort of unique because you're always finding and discovering something else. Same thing with these houses. Uh, I, I, I would love to go, be able to go even more than uh, just the one night that we went just to be able to. Uh, just to see those details again, and also just because it's so much fun. Yeah, I agree. It's great. Yeah. Can I get your opinions on the Ghostbusters house overall? Because that got a lot of attention this year, since that was a big intellectual property that became associated with Halloween Horror Nights. Joe, what do you think? I liked it. I'd probably put it, you know, top three, top four. I, I thought it was a good house, but I wasn't as excited as other people were. I mean, Ghostbusters is a good movie. Ghostbusters 2 is a good movie. But it wasn't anything that I needed to have a haunted house on. It's not a scary movie. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't thinking that it was going to be anything but a fun walkthrough. And that's exactly what I got. It was basically as you were, it was like you were walking inside the movie, which I also, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought it was good. Neil? Like Joe just said very well, it, it, it really replicated the movie very well. And it had the large space to do it. And it, if you're looking to see like pretty spectacular sets and, stage production it's for sure uh you know they did a great job with that but if you're looking for like your scares and yeah they have make things that make you jump but there's a lot of cool illusions some of the illusions even made me think of like haunted mansion style type of illusions throughout i always kind of envision halloween horror nights a little bit different than that there's elements to it that uh always kind of have you know pay tribute in some respects to you know where it could be a little bit more comedic at times but it's it, it was fun but it, w- it wasn't the top for me but it was, it was definitely worth checking out and, and impressive very impressive so we spend a lot of time yep. over the course of the year at various theme parks one of my favorite moments in theme parks is the moment they open the gates for halloween horror nights and everybody walks on in and they have the music blasting and the scare actors are already doing their work right there on the uh, main street right in universal studios it's very exciting to walk in there and get things going. So worth Yes, God, that's absolutely true. Going to the opening is so worth it because it gets you so pumped up the way when you get let in with the music. And you also get the advantage of being able to really go on a bunch of houses without a wait. The truth is, throughout that process, there's so many places you can relax, sit down, and do everything that you'll still be able to get the 
you know, Halloween evening event just by, you know, sunset's about to hit, you know, within an hour or something of the time. So uh, it's so worth it. it. They get you so pumped up. Um, it, 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 you're right. It doesn't get old at all. I was going to ask yeah. a question about what you both want to see in future Halloween Horror Nights events, but I want to be more specific. I want you all to get you both to give me one particular intellectual property that you would want to see featured in a Halloween Horror Nights maze. Maze and house are the same thing. They use those words interchangeably at Universal Studios. So, Joe, if you could have one intellectual property be featured in a Halloween Horror Nights house, what would it be? That's a tough question, Scott. I, I, I could probably <laughs> sit here and think about that for hours. I don't know if it's the exact property I would want, but if you saw the movie The Descent, I could do a house where you can go under, underground or underwater and... Uh, have something like that, I think would be a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really the, there's just the, first of all, they've had this going on for 30 years. Yeah. So they've been doing this. I mean, all the houses that I, I love, I, I mean, they've, I don't, I wouldn't want to say they've done them, but they probably have done them. So mm-hmm. I would like to have like a rehash. I think that since it's the 30th anniversary next year, mm-hmm. I really would like to have them have the classic houses come back and do it again. Where, you know, you get one from every couple of years, you bring them back again. I think a Carrie house from the Stephen King movie would be really cool mm. if they would do that. Um, because, you know, it's set in a high school and that might be some things they couldn't do. But sure. I think that, that would actually be very cool if you can figure that out. Any horror movie, really. I love it. Sounds good. And Neil? So I know they've done at least one of these, but uh, The Exorcist, I know they, I think they did in Hollywood before. I don't know if they, they did, yeah. But I would love to have seen that. That's one of my favorite horror movies. And Psycho, I think, especially going back to our member of the Alfred Hitchcock uh, experience attraction when we were younger that they had. And I thought they did such a great job with that. But I'd love to see Halloween Horror Nights really bring about Psycho. And there's so, and one of the reasons I also think Psycho is great is there's so many different scenes in different locations that are iconic, whether it be the, the shower scene, the staircase, the, you know, uh, his bedroom, the motel room, the car, the office. There's so many great spots that I think they could recreate well. Um, uh, oh, the cellar and just even the uh, uh, the prison. There's so many good elements with so many good scares mm-hmm. and good characters that I, I love that. I mean, my favorite house I've ever been in was uh, The Shining. I thought they did an amazing job with that. Um, uh, you know, so that would be – in terms of modern stuff – they had Blumhouse, and I liked when they incorporated the Purge and the Purge Scare Zone was my favorite Scare Zone of all time uh, that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I've seen. Um, and uh, so uh, I think The Strangers would be a good house based on a modern uh, movie. I think I think it, or at least The Strangers Scare Zone I think could be something that uh, would work well with the just even the outfits and especially the the recent one had a lot of lighting that I see reflects some of the lighting that they use for uh, uh, some of the houses and the scare actors. So are you going are, are to bring up also um, uh, the scare zones at all? Is that coming up? No, I, I was going to ask about that, but, but just if you'd like to tell us something about them, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, part of the thing, part, part of what I look forward to most in Halloween Heart Nights, it's not just the houses, not just the atmosphere and the, the whole event itself, but the scare zones. I consider the scare zones to be on the same level as the houses is something I look forward to. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the actors are great. They, they really get great actors. Um, this, the settings are terrific. And this year, uh, I'd be curious to get uh, both of your guys' thoughts on what you enjoyed the most. My favorite was the Hellbilly Deluxe part of uh, the Rob Zombie 
uh, scare zone. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and I could just, that was the zone I wanted to hang out in, uh, the most. And I, I say after that, when you first walk in, um, Oh, what's the name? The arc, um, arcade. The 80s arcade. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? What do you think? I mean, for me, this, the best scare zone was the Rob Zombie Hellbilly Deluxe. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and just one thing I wanted to say, Neil, to what you said before about, I, I think they could do an Alfred Hitchcock house. So mm -hmm. different scenes with different movies. So the birds and uh, rear window or, or something like that. Oh, I think yeah. that would be great. Yeah, I can um, see the north by northwest, like the plane, like it's some type of sound effect or effect of yeah. it going over you and vertigo and you're in Mount Rushmore, all those. Uh, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The birds. That would be a good house. And I mean, if we're, if we're talking modern, my, my number one house, I didn't say this because I didn't know if we were talking modern movies or not, but is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina House on Netflix. Yes. I'm sure people will laugh about that. But that show is my probably my favorite show on TV right now. I think that would be a great house. Yeah, I would love to see who they get to play the different versions of Sabrina and everything. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that would be a great one. The Purge TV show, I love. You know, I love the Purge. Uh, that's another one. You know, going back to the Purge, that uh, would be fun to have in there. But God, yeah, what, I, yeah. Love God, what about you? I have three possible choices based on our conversation here. The answer I was going to give was uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. For, oh, which I think yep. you know a lot of people do knock it because it has a strong romantic element, but. As I think I may have said on this podcast before, that movie has some of the most visually intricate vampire scenes I've ever watched in film, including some really scary scenes. So I think that would work well in a Halloween Horror Nights maze. But two other things as we were talking did occur to me. One was actually the birds, to have a house based on the birds, I think right, would yep. be really cool. And Joe, when you mentioned Sabrina just a second ago, I had not thought of that. But I agree with you. That is my favorite show on TV today. I look forward to it. I can't wait for it to come back to Netflix. Certainly, I would love to see a Sabrina house. And I think there's a chance of that happening uh, because the show is very popular. And if they could make a house last year like uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, which was based on a TV show that I don't think is as popular as Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I think they could definitely do Sabrina. I agree. I think it'd be great. Uh, there's there's also something that I thought I'd bring up with Halloween Hard that I enjoy that I think is worth mentioning that I don't think really gets mentioned at a lot of uh, a lot of places, which is one of the things I enjoy is that it's a constant stream of people walking through the house. It's a constant letting in. There might be some holdups for slight, you know, waiting a minute or two, but it isn't like some haunted houses or attractions where you're waiting for periods of time, you move up after a period, wait for another period of time, move up. The fact that it's constant even makes it go by in such a, a fun, quick way that – and especially given how some of the houses, uh, even the exteriors, there's fun things to do. And you're going around different parts of the park. You never really go around. Um, that I, I like the fact that you're always walking. You're outside for most of it, so you're getting fresh air. You're not like you know, you know stuffed in small crammed areas. You know that you know. Um, I think that's another thing that should be noted about Halloween Horror Nights. It makes it an enjoyable uh, event, even when you're waiting and not even in the attraction yet. So we love those events. We go to them every year. Uh, if if you've been this year and have any thoughts you'd like to share, feel free to let us know at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail .com, or you could write to us on Twitter and Instagram and so forth. And also, yeah, yeah and I'm sure if anybody has any traditions with it, if they do go, if they have any traditions, like Mel's Drive-In, that's one of our big traditions now, that we have to have Mel's Drive-In for dinner the night of Halloween Horror Nights, and that's become something that we also look forward to, and I, I always like eating there, too. Uh, it's just fun, and I love American graffiti, um, but if the, I wonder if anybody has any, like, this is something we have to do, you know, if we go to Halloween Horror Nights regularly. Very good. This was, uh, it was great talking to you both about our weekend 
We have lots of good memories of that that trip. Moving on on tonight's episode, because Halloween is just a few days away, I wanted to just pose a bunch of miscellaneous questions related to Halloween topics, uh, dealing with the holiday, dealing with movies and so forth. Now, a couple of minutes ago, we talked about the Universal Monsters House at Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. And the first question I wanted to pose is, who is your favorite Universal Monster? So I guess the options here include Dracula, Frankenstein Monster, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Invisible Man, the Mummy, and I guess the Bride of Frankenstein. Those are the ones that come to mind right away. And Igor as well, I guess, would fall into that category. So, uh, Joe, out of that roster of monsters, which one is your favorite and why? My favorite is Dracula. There's no question about it. Just because I've always been fascinated with, with you know, the legend of vampires and basically the the legend. Start with Bram Stoker's Dracula, the book, but Universal Monsters took that, you know, and made Dracula in 1931, and it's just the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest monster movie of that era, and from the Universal Monsters studio. Other people will say other movies are better. They might be like The Bride of Frankenstein is probably a better movie, but. There's something about Dracula that does it for me. I think that's the best one. My favorite monster. Neil? Yeah, Dracula, since I was a kid. I mean, I was always just uh, uh, fascinated by Dracula. Joe, you got me that great book about the history of the... uh, um, The great book. uh, About Dracula and the folklore surrounding it. and um, uh, It's just um, always has stood out to me. I've always been fascinated. Bela Lugosi, I mean, it doesn't get more iconic than that. They're all iconic. It's very tough, but I couldn't imagine Universal Monster without Dracula and 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 just the found impact it's had on on modern culture today. Still to this point, the fact that everybody worldwide would be able to recognize and not only recognize the character but understand the story is a testament to uh, yeah. uh, to what it is now. They may not know, obviously, on the level of Bram Stoker, you know, and the the book and what it was about and, and that, but they'll they'll know what has become popular you know conceptions of what dracula is and you know uh in ways of uh uh and basic story elements which is a testament i agree with both you guys dracula without question it may have been the first universal monster movie that i saw when i was a kid uh it's still despite not being as traditionally scary as some more recent movies gives me the chills when i watch it due to some of the performances and while i do love most of the universal monster movies uh, dracula is the one that stands out and i wanted to Asking you guys as well with regard to the Universal Monster movies, why do these films have longevity, longevity and relevance today? And, and I guess I'll begin by saying that the thing that occurs to me are the performances of the actors in those roles. You have Bela Lugosi as Dracula, Boris Karloff as the Frankenstein monster and the mummy, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman and so forth. And no matter how many times those movies have been made and no matter how many great actors have played those roles... When you hear, for example, the name Dracula, at least in my mind, the first image I have is Bela Lugosi. Just like with Frankenstein, the first image I have is Boris Karloff. So uh, what do you guys think about that? Neil, let's start with you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're always going to be associated with those roles, what you're saying. But there's, uh, you know, I think about Dracula, for example. There's been so many great actors, different countries that have played the role that are so enjoyable to watch. And and a real different take. And what's interesting is how the making of those movies – it's an evolution of how people perceive the character and the storyline. And, and it reflects things in the culture, modern culture. And uh, it's just, it's interesting to see how performances have the impact it's left uh, on modern culture and how, what, what it's impacted those performances. But yeah, far, you know, uh, Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney Jr. And, you know, 
you know, you go all the way back to Phantom and Lon Chaney, uh, sure. uh, and all the performances he had in so many different movies. Um, I've always think that think that he gets overlooked way too often in terms of being an absolutely incredible actor and and affecting performances of all different types of actors moving forward. Joe, uh, why do you think the Universal Monster movies have such longevity today? Oh, that's uh, that's a good question, Scott. I, I I agree with you. I think it's partly the characters and the and the actors who played them, um, but they were so popular when they came out in the '30s, '20s, '20s really with Lon Chaney, but '20s to the '50s that they just endured after that because of how popular they were, and then pop culture kept them up mm-hmm. as you go on. You know, I mean, and and Neil's right. A lot of people have played Dracula, for example, but even people like uh, Leslie Nielsen played Dracula in, in Dead and Loving It, which is a parody of it, and The Simpsons parodied it all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, they just keep keep it in the mindset, and there was all these magazines, these monster magazines in the 80s that talked about it. So I, I think it's just they've been kept up in the consciousness of us, of America, and and the world, really, but it's just it's just continuously popular. I actually read a great article the other day about, on this. This is a very timely article, actually, on this website called popcornhorror.com, which is a great website about horror movies and things like that um and they were just going through the history of universal monsters and how uh they've kind of gone through the ages and there were these magazines that never even heard of from the 1980s that brought them back into popularity where kids would read them because i guess in the 80s it's not like they had internet or anything they would get these magazines and read about the monsters and things like that it was yeah. it's just a really cool article so uh, gentlemen a couple more questions for you this evening we're all music fans here let's Go around the table here, and I want you to tell me your two most essential Halloween songs. So let's go one at a time, one song at a time. I guess I'll start it off. For me, a great Halloween song is Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., uh, because not only does it tie into the classic film and make me think this year of Halloween Horror Nights in particular, but it's just a fun song, not overly scary. It's good for the family. To me, a Halloween classic, and certainly it has become that when you look at Halloween playlists on all the streaming music services. So that's one that comes to mind for me. Uh, Joe, for you, Halloween essential song. This is a good question, Scott. For me, the first song that pops into my head, besides something like Ghostbusters or Monster Mash, is A Nightmare on My Street by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yes. Oh, yes. It's it's funny because it was very popular that it kind of it got very hard to find but it's a you know it's a DJ, it's a fresh prince song a will smith song about nightmare on elm street and how he's living in his he's haunting him freddy krueger is haunting will smith that to me is a great halloween song i loved it growing up and i still love it every time i hear it on, on like the serious halloween channel and things like that so great. joe the other day i was at a business meeting at a local starbucks and uh-huh that song came on in the background while I was having this meeting and it was kind of loud. And I just kept thinking to myself, don't listen to the lyrics. Don't listen to the lyrics because you'll get distracted. But of course, I was listening to the lyrics and trying to pretend like I was listening to what the person was saying to me. It's a great song. I, if, if people out there have not heard it, you definitely should go on YouTube or Apple Music or whatever you do and get it. It's awesome. I do love it. Uh, Neil, what's the song for you? I think listening to classic uh, – not- Film scores that dealt with horror movies always sets the mood, um, whether it be the original Dracula that we were just talking about, the modern Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula mm. soundtrack, um, and obviously themes like from The Exorcist, Halloween, uh, you know, you could, you know, there's a whole bunch of them, uh, Amityville Horror. Um, those always put, put me uh, in a Halloween spirit. But also, one of the things that is 
that it ties into the uh, Holland Horror Nights and you know some of the haunted attractions. Some of the music that they incorporated are also great. Uh, hard. There's some electronic music, some of which I wasn't even familiar with, that gets you in the mood, as well as Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, all that stuff that, they, yeah, that is often played uh, around the time of the year. And it's certainly, um, you could, while it's not just obviously for Halloween, uh, when you do listen to it on Halloween, it really kind of gets you in sort of that, uh, that, that mindset, that fun mindset. Uh, my, my second choice is Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell which is a classic Motown song featuring background vocals. Uh, I don't even know if you call them background vocals or sort of second most prominent vocals by Michael Jackson. Uh, it's a great song dealing with a topic that you might find in any number of horror movies about a guy who feels like he's always being watched. It's got a catchy melody. It's got an awesome beat. And for me, that's my second choice. That also appears on all of these Halloween playlists that are out there. Uh, Joe, what's your second choice? Essential Halloween song. That's a great pick. I wish I used that one myself, honestly. You had a good one um, to start off, though. You, you inspired me. <laughs> I tried. Uh, my second song is also not a song you think of normally on Halloween, but I will go with Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, sure. it, it's got that creepy vibe. The title alone tells you where it's, uh, what it's about. So I, I think uh, that will be my second song, Psycho Killer. Good choice. Good choice. Neil? I know I, I didn't realize we were going one by one here. Um, uh, so I know I've mentioned a bunch, but I'll mention a song that is, isn't associated at all with Halloween, but I can't listen to without getting freaked out based on a movie that I loved growing up as a kid, but it scared the daylights out of me, was uh, the Lady uh, Lady in White, the movie, the horror movie, which I highly recommend everybody sees, but uh, they utilized the song, Have You Ever Seen a Dream Walking, a much older song throughout the movie, and that always... I always associated with that film, which scared me so much. So if I ever hear that song, I I, I always get you know freaked out and scared, and uh, and and all because of that film, which it still holds up today. Good choice and great film reference, Neil. Thank you. So a couple more questions before we head to the stuff we love segment. Uh, when we would go trick or treating years ago, what were your favorite? You can only name one. What was your favorite candy to get while trick or treating? Joe, we'll start with you. Favorite candy to get while trick-or-treating, definitely Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Neil. Can't go wrong with those. Yes. Nestle Crunch Minis. For me, Three Musketeers. Wow. Nobody likes those. Really? <laughs> I love <laughs> those. Really? Oh, it's my, yeah. one of my favorites. Because I, I wouldn't normally buy that in a store if I was buying candy. So Halloween was one of the few times during the year I'd have those. That's fair. I mean, to me, it's basically a Milky Way without the caramel. I might as well go with the Milky Way. Did you what ever get you? money trick-or-treating? I have, yeah. I used, I used to get like a dollar from a couple houses here and there. They'd give you a dollar? Yeah, instead of candy. They probably forgot to buy candy. <laughs> a dollar's a lot. I, I've heard people getting quarters or dimes or something like that, but a dollar? I've seen people get that. I've gotten dollars. I've seen people Girl, get change. Uh, if he's still giving out dollars? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know some of these hopes. <laughs> I, I might have to go back there this year. What did you What did you dislike uh, getting? Joe, we'll start with you. Dislike. What you What you dislike? <laughs> Three Musketeers. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dislike. I things like uh, like Twizzlers and things like mm. that. Was, to me, I never liked those. I really just would prefer yeah. the chocolate stuff. Or, you know, so that's just for me. Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. I never liked getting like. Uh, sometimes I used to give those chewable bracelets, things like that. That's just I, I just prefer the chocolate, you know. That that's more my cup of tea. 
Yeah, for me, I, I think uh, certainly Twizzlers is a great answer. I never liked getting those. And my last question for you gentlemen this evening, how are you spending Halloween this year? Joe? I'm going to spend it the same way I always do. I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll probably watch a horror movie or two. Um, I try to do that every year. So maybe I'll do, it's either that or The Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Always good. For me, I'll be Scott. home uh, greeting the trick-or-treaters. I, we get a lot of trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood here. So it's always cool to see what people are dressed up as. And then I think this year I'm going to watch The Shining. I've been meaning to watch it since we went to the Halloween Horror Nights a couple of years ago and they had The Shining house. And I, I don't know what the last time I watched it was. So I, I'm going to give that a shot this, uh, this year in Halloween. I'll be watching that. So that's my Halloween plans for this year. And during the day while working, I'll listen to some good Halloween music and all that stuff. Uh, on Halloween and also you know, the week leading up to Halloween and even the month, is finding time to really watch horror movies and watch some horror movies I haven't seen in a while. That's that's a, something I always look forward to. Mm-hmm. It's the best day of the yeah. year to watch horror movies, that's for sure. And Scott, you'll you got to watch The Shining. Actually, a couple years ago, I stayed at the hotel, the um, Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Yes, where it was based on, and so I watched it. You know, maybe only a year or two ago, and it still holds up. It's a great movie. And I have the magnet you got me on the fridge downstairs. Yes, I got you. That's right. Great. So, gentlemen, this was great talking to you about Halloween and our experience this year in Orlando. We're now going to turn to the very popular Stuff We Love segment. This is the part of the show when the hosts will tell you about something they're enjoying right now. It could be an app, a book, a movie, a song. Uh, this is our chance to give you all a recommendation. So, uh, Joe, let's start it off with you. What is something you recommend on the Stuff We Love segment tonight? Something I recommend this episode is a CD box set called the American Epic Collection. I got this recently, and it's a fantastic collection of about 100 songs from the early 20s and 30s Americana. And it's kind of a time capsule of the music that was being put out then. And the interesting thing about this was that they didn't they remastered the songs, but they made it sound like they would have if you were listening on a radio back then. So it's not like they're perfect, perfectly remastered copies. It's more uh, fits in with the idea that you're lo- listening to these uh, songs over radio, maybe in like the South or something like that. They're Americana songs. Some of them you know, most of them we don't. Uh, but it's a great box set. It was based, it was actually almost like a soundtrack for a movie series that was produced on PBS about these um, these artists from the 20s and 30s putting out this music, blues guitar, gospel preacher. It's all kinds of different music from the time. Mm-hmm. It's a box set. It's called the American Epic Box Set. It, it, I highly recommend it if you have the time to listen to five CDs of <laughs> 100-year-old songs, but it's, wor- it's worth it. That's awesome, Joe. Thank you. Uh, my recommendation is also a music recommendation. This past Friday, Harry Connick Jr. released his new album. It's called True Love, A Celebration of Cole Porter. And it's a collection of songs uh, that were originally written by Cole Porter. Uh, he wrote so, so many tracks that are considered part of the Great American Songbook. And what I like about it is that Harry Connick Jr. does, as always, a great vocal performance. And from what I understand, he also made all the musical arrangements on the album. So it's kind of a, a Sinatra-esque classic type album. Neil, how about you? Completely random item for this segment is I got the Chill Bill uh, refrigerator deodorizer at the container store and it's uh, 
you fill it with uh, baking soda, just like the things that suction up, suction on to inside of your refrigerator. And uh, I'm terrible in the kitchen, but uh, and I hate grocery shopping and all of that. But I do enjoy opening up my refrigerator door and seeing a mini penguin that is actually a refrigerator deodorizer. So that was the that, I don't know why, but it really brightened my uh, brightened my day when I got that. That's very cool. I I, I that saw that cool. you were using that. I, I may get that for myself. It's very relaxing sure. to see. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, this has been great. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are now available on Spotify. You can follow us at, on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, on Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. We're on Facebook. Please like our page there. Our website is www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. There you can read about the hosts and find links to our various podcast episodes. We also have a blog on the website, which we will be updating shortly. Our email is stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. We would love it if you would go on iTunes and leave us those good five-star reviews, which make it easier for others to find the show as well. And uh, that's pretty much it. So thank you all for tuning in. We, we hope you all have a happy, fun, and safe Halloween. Let's go around the table. I'm Scott. I'm Joe. I'm Neil. And you've been listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. <laughs>